district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up GOAT District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. All right, welcome everybody. Theo, how you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm starting waivers, so that's always uh, that's, that's always a fun. <laughs> I want to know how many people in these four boxes uh, were quickly doing waivers for one team while the intro was running. I was just looking at my waivers right now, so so uh, full disclosure, guys. I was I was thinking about a Darrell Williams bid bid amount. Um, I know Michael's got a couple of tabs open right now. How about you, Matt? Uh, I do not, but I usually start putting guys in for a buck because you got to put the one dollar bids on like late Sunday night or Monday morning when I have some time over some coffee. I try and do that, so I try and start the process a little early, and you know, so by the time you get to Wednesday or Tuesday night, like now, you pretty much have an idea, and you just got to figure out those prices. That's usually the toughest part. Yeah, one hundred percent for sure. Well, we're, uh, we're, we're going ahead and getting going here. JD uh, is having some technical difficulties, so hopefully he'll be able to join us later. But uh, Theo, why don't you introduce everybody to our guest today, and uh, we'll just start firing right in there because we've got a lot to cover. So I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, for tonight's show. This is our first high-stakes roundtable of the season. Um, Post-New York Super Draft, Nelson Sousa and Chris Vaccaro uh, came on, and it was really nice to have two different voices at once. Uh, today, we're, we're really um, fortunate to have probably the two best New Jersey-based, although Matt is not New Jersey anymore, <laughs> the two best New Jersey-based high-stakes uh, fantasy football players in the country, in my estimation. Um, we have Matt Modica, who's one of the best uh, football-slash-baseball guys going, extremely successful drafter in both. And we have Michael Edelman, um, who I'm in uh, – too many leagues with, and he's probably one of the best drafters, I, I'd mm -hmm. say, in, in, of anybody in high stakes. So welcome to the show, guys. You've both been in the district before, um, but this is the first time you guys have been on together. Uh, how are both of your teams doing so far, and how are both of you guys uh, feeling about the way you approach drafts? Maybe Matt, you could take that question first. Sure. Uh, first, you know, I'm honored to be on with Mike. He's a great guy, uh, Hall of Famer, and um Definitely thrilled to be back on the district. I'm so happy you guys invited me last year and to come back on uh, early on. This is like such a great time, you know, with the two weeks, the overreactions of week one, and then you see the zeros turn to heroes and the heroes turn to zeros in week two. Uh, as far as it goes, it's been pretty much a mixed bag. Uh, I have a couple of teams that, you know, I'm really excited for. Uh, my 0-1 teams, most of them got to 1-1 this week. Uh I think I have maybe two 
two teams, so that's not good. One team uh, might have got a deck nail this week, scoring like 59 points in a super is never going to help you. You're going to need a couple of 200, you know, point weeks, and you're going to need them fast. But I guess the, the bright side is it happened in week two, so there is still plenty of time. But, you know, that's that's never a good thing. But, yeah, overall, I'm, uh, I'm happy. I like my teams. I'd say the biggest issues I've had in, in the teams that aren't off to say the start I wanted are maybe the J.K. Dobbins uh, teams with Kyle Pitts. And uh, I know it's going to be a question, one of the, the last questions, but I'll put a little spoiler word out there. I still think J.K. Dobbins will be a league winner at the end of the season. I think that's going to be one of the most lethal offenses we will see going forward, especially with that depleted secondary and the disaster that that is. Yeah, we had the, the Miami-Baltimore game was just incredible for fantasy. How about how about you, Michael? Um, how are your teams doing? Um, I know you went wide receiver heavy in a lot of your builds, <coughs> and it seems like it's been the right year for that so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- thanks again for having uh, having me on. It's, it's a pleasure to be here, and I feel like, you know, Matt and I get paired up a lot, it seems. Uh, <laughs> last year we, we got paired up with Nelson and Matty Davis, too, on one of their shows, so it's always fun uh, being with Matt. Um, yeah, so I was talking to Dan earlier. I te- I try not to get too overexcited uh, or look look at my teams, um, you know, early in the year. I mean, I, I have a general feel that I have a lot of the players that have been doing well, but I also have a good amount of the players who have been putting up goose eggs. So, um, but I did take a look, and I you know I think I you know I have I'm off to a decent start. I think I have two prime times like in the top fifteen, and I think I have an FFPC main that's thirty fifth right now. So. I mean, you know, overall, I think, you know, it's a good spot to be in right now. Um, Like you said, with, you know, I I try, it's funny that, you know, I mean, historically, I've always been, and and Matt was always one of the first people to say this, like when he's, when he would see the stickers, it would always be yellow, right? Um, But I've changed over the years. And even this year, I mean, maybe some of the drafts you've been in with me have been like the New York Super was wide as you had it. You had a couple, you had a couple of robust RB teams. I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely had a little of everything. Um, but of course, like the, the prototypical builds that uh, you like the best are that I like the best are more wide receiver heavy for sure. And Dan, we were off to a good start uh, in our super and our varsity that we're sharing with uh, with Andrew Schellenberg. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really like where we're sitting. I mean, we're we're in second place, but just an eyelash out of first in the uh, super. And um, Chad had a monster week uh, to, to fairly convincingly take first place in uh, the varsity. But uh, our, our team is still better than his, so I'm not too worried. We're, com- we're coming for you. We're coming for you, Chad, in that, in that varsity. You know, you're going to be thinking about the GOAT district all season long. Um, so we want to just dive into it. Tonight, this is a roundtable discussion. Um, so the, the four of us are going to kind of share our answers. Um, and, and I'm interested to hear some of your, your, your responses we didn't share uh, any any answers, you know, in the in the 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 game in the uh, show chat. So this is going to be very interesting. One offense that's out to a lightning quick start is the Detroit Lions. They've scored thirty five and thirty six points to start the season, dating back to last year. They now have scored twenty nine or more points in five out of their last six games. It's just remarkable the turnaround there in Detroit. Uh, DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown are currently top five at their position. Can the Lions sustain this? Mm-hmm. Is this the is this the offense 
um, that people should have taken more shots on. Um, maybe share your thoughts and maybe share your thoughts on Jared Goff as a streamer as well. Why don't we start with Michael for this one? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I think, you know, the, the two, the two players in Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown, right. I think, I mean, they're talented at this point. I think we know that and, and they're going to be good. And with the game scripts they're going to be in, whether they're leading or whether they're coming back, I think there's going to be fantasy points there that he had. Right. Um, you know, I think, you know, I'm definitely sold on Amon Ross St. Brown now after seeing him continue to do this. I was definitely a skeptic, I think, at the beginning of the draft season. Um, but as the draft season moved on, I, I started kind of getting more and more on board with him. Um, similarly with Swift, Swift kind of, he got steamed up, I think, a little early and I didn't get enough of him. But the talent's there with him. You know, it's about health, I think, and staying on the field. You know, he's... You know, he's like, I, I, I compare him to Austin Eckler. I think they're very similar where he doesn't need the 75, 80% snap shares to produce. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they're going to produce, right? I think all year, I think they'll only get better um, when they get some, when they get uh, like Jameson Williams back and they get some of these other guys um, going. So yeah, I, I think they're here to stay. Uh, for me, I actually believe in them uh, for a lot of the same points Michael just made. But I think their new OC uh, really seems to be doing a very good job. Their offensive line is stout, and they were missing guys this week. And they were still manhandling people. So, I mean, that's got to bode well going forward. As far as uh, I'm on St. Brown, I mean, you just have to give it to this guy. I, I don't know what more we need to see. He's basically what in his last eight games has five top six finishes, a top nine, a top twelve, and a top twenty-six. I mean, it's uh, if you're a skeptic, I really don't have a, I don't have him this year. He wasn't one of my uh, top targets, so that was a big whiff on me. I do like you know I got the Jalen Waddles at that range, the Batemans, uh, Deontay Johnson, who I still think if he can get you know Kenny Pickett in there, maybe he's just. You know, I think DeAndre Johnson is all world, and we kind of see that every week. But uh, as far as the Lions go, yeah, those are the reasons there. And DeAndre Swift, for me, would be RB1 uh, if he could just finish off these runs and didn't have the vulture named Jamal Lewis, uh, Jamal Williams, excuse me. And because, I mean, you, you just, he reminds me or is one of the closest things I've seen since Jamal Charles. Uh, I'm mainly worried about him being able to stay healthy throughout the course of the season. But I'm extremely excited. I know me and Andy have him in the ultimate, 14-team uh, ultimate. I got him with a couple of uh, Barkley teams, one on the FFPC. I dipped my toe into that this year for the main event. We'll see how that works out. I was a little, you know, a little far into that format. Uh, and I have him in some NFC uh, teams as well. So I'm really excited about that. And, uh, Jared Goff, I know, you know, there's really two is not really available. He's available in one of my primetime leagues. Someone dropped him for the Giants uh, defense. But Jared Goff, I um, mean, not that you want to use him. You really want to have you, – you, you're planning on having a better option if you make it to the promised land, you know, the playoffs. But that playoff schedule is pretty damn sweet. Dan, anything to add on, on the lines? Yeah, not really. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with – both of these guys, I'm I'm definitely in on both of them. I think that they're um, you know they're for real. 
Um, with that defense being as bad as it is in Detroit and the offensive line being as good as it is, it's not hard to see why uh, you know this is working out. What really makes me mad is that I basically got completely shut out on Amon Ross St. Brown in my most expensive leagues, and I, I had to go back in and look, you know, like after <laughs> this past week, I was like, I need to understand why I didn't get any of them. And it, as it turns out, it was like basically uh, I didn't have any picks until, you know, like I, I mostly had picks at the end of the fourth round where he was already gone, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or and so I was picking at the beginning of the third round and at the end of the fourth round. Uh, and it was just a matter of the, you know, that in the NFFC, I had th- picks more towards the back end of the draft and the FFPC I had picks more to the front end of the draft, which with the, the third round reversal, it just kind of works out that uh, that means you're going to miss the front of the fourth round in, in both setups. And uh, there was only one place where I could have gotten him and, and I passed on him for Gabe Davis, which I'm definitely regretting on that one. Can I jump in one second before you yeah, say hi to Gabe? Yeah, of course. I'm what Dan said, I think is a really key point in uh, high stakes, whether it's baseball, football, whatever you're playing. Like we'll play in whatever, draft champions or best ball leagues. And you'll look, you know, after, and, then the, and then we go live for the higher stakes uh, formats. But then you'll look at the end and you'll see your number of shares. Like, wow, I got like 12 shares of this guy or this or that. But if you don't have them in the in the really important leagues where it matters most, it's like you're really out. Like you really didn't get those guys. You, you know what I'm saying? And that's what one of the things I've tried to learn in playing with baseball and with football is you got to make sure to get those guys. Because once you go live, like once you move from – you know, July into like mid late August when, when you know when we start playing prime times or main events, you know the board's going to shrink even more. As hard as that's to believe, but it does. And you know you got to get your guys. I know it's a cliche, but it really is true. Yeah, no, totally. for sure. It, it, and you know, part of the thing is I don't have as many of the the really high stakes wins as some of you guys. You know, where you're running, you know. Like uh, you know, a dozen prime times or or whatever you know, and and so you you have several opportunities at them. You know, when I'm running, uh, you know, like I probably had like eight total high stakes weeks, and I mean, like I say, I just I only had a shot at him once, and I didn't take him. So, uh, but one of the things I do, um, Matt, is I look at my exposures by by like uh, the amount of dollars of my entry fee that are tied up in each player rather than mm-hmm. like how many different leagues, you know? And I think that's, that's definitely the better way to look at it. Um, you know, cause I look at some players and I've got like, uh, boy, that was weird. Okay. Um, I've, I've got like, you know, I've got them in like six or seven leagues, but only one of them's a high stakes league, you know? So it looks like I've got a ton of them, but I actually don't because you know, their lower dollar leagues, you know, the three fifty leagues instead of the you know sixteen hundred dollar leagues. And shout out to uh, Dalton Cates, who's been on the show a number of times. Um, he he tweeted something today that uh, this is historical what Amon Rob St. Brown's doing. But a day three wide receiver drafted at age twenty one or twenty two in their first nineteen career games, Amon Ross St. Brown now has more PPR points than Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs did in their first 19 games. So it's a truly historical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you guys that Jamison Williams, I think opens up this offense even further. Uh, so it's, it's going to be super interesting 
um, with how we see them finish the year. And a huge game with Minnesota. Uh, Garrett Wilson had a massive game this past weekend. Uh, Drake London had his coming out party. Jahan Dotson has been tremendous. It's another year where rookie wide receivers are going to be very impactful to how fantasy football teams do. We've also seen Chris Olave flash, Traylon Burks flash. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's like the third season in a row that we've seen this. What are your expectations for the rookie wide receivers moving forward? And is there maybe one that you're looking to break out um, that maybe hasn't? Start with Michael on this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they, it, it's funny because, you know, they're, I, going into to the season – I always like, you know, you want to, you want to, every year it seems like you're going, you know, it was the third year breakout, then it was the second year breakout. And now it's, now it's the rookie wide receivers breaking out, um, you know, and, and Garrett Wilson and Drake London in particular, right? Like they've, they've already flashed and broken out. And, you know, I think Drake London for sure with his draft capital and him being like the only wide receiver on the whole roster, like he's, he, he's going to get his share. Um, the Garrett Wilson one, really was uh was eye opening for me this week. Now I I, I liked him coming in. Um, but I also love Elijah Moore. So it's kind of hard for me to kind of see it happening. But watching the, a little bit of that game, he's the real deal, right? Like he's not going anywhere. I think he's here to stay. Um, now it's just a matter of can the Jets figure out how to open up the offense and they have talent on that offense, right? And you know now like to me the real thing with him is uh He's going to get a worse quarterback, in my opinion. So when Zach Wilson comes back, is he going to be able to get the ball to him? Well, at least Flacco's a gunslinger. I think he's going to get the ball out there. So that's that's at least in that in that circumstance to see how that's going to work out. In terms of guys that you know, you know, could could break out down the line. I mean, I I was really high com- coming in on George Pickens. Uh, I feel like he's somebody that you know, as the season progresses, I think we'll get down the line we'll, we'll get his chance and then hopefully he'll be someone we see break out you know down down in into the season how about you matt uh, i mean in draft season for me the obvious one just for the open targets there was drake london uh, i mean the draft capital which obviously isn't so obvious when you look at kyle pitts and his usage but i mean drake london to me seemed like a guy that as long as he was healthy, and that was the major concern because he had the little uh, he had the knee issue in the first preseason game, and you know, as I look at the guys like Dotson, to me, you know, this this guy looks like a bowler, but I think the problem there, I think he hurts Terry McLaurin more than anything. I mean, Curtis Samuel has out targeted him two to one. Curtis Samuel has like fifteen catches to Dotson and McLaurin combined for like 12. And I, I think Dotson can continue to grow. Uh, he looks the part, but somebody's going to take a hit. And I kind of think it'll more be McLaurin than uh, Curtis Samuel. But the other thing is, can Curtis Samuel stay on the field? That's always been an issue for him. Uh, Chris Olave, we saw all the air yards. Uh, some of them are prayer yards too. Uh, I know on Twitter you, you brought that up. And I sure I, did. I, I love mean, air yards, Matt. I love yeah, them. No, I mean, look, at some point, if he's going to keep throwing him, uh, throwing at, at these depths of targets, I mean, he's going to connect. And, you know, Jameis, you know, he's famous for that 30-30 season. 
but I think these other guys, I mean, Michael mentioned Pickens, and the guy's running all the routes, which to me isn't always a great sign. Like everybody like, oh, he's running 90% routes. Like MSV runs 90% routes, but he's basically, you know, running dead routes. He's just taking guys deep so they can work out other guys throughout the field. And on his team, I think Sky Moore is somebody that hasn't done really anything so far this year. But, you know, after week one, when everybody crowned Kansas City, you know, is just, you know, Kansas City's going to be even better. Week two happened. And look, Mahomes is great. That pass to Watson was phenomenal. But he got lucky on a couple of plays. There should have been some picks there and all that. So I, I think at some point, Sky Moore is going to be needed uh, on that team. And lastly, even a guy like Traylon Burks, who might, you know, we're seeing him getting these targets. That offense has nobody. I mean, Robert Woods is coming off an ACL. The kid Phillips, I think, has a future in this league as like an Edelman or a uh, – what's the guy on on, on the Raiders is something in my mind? Renfro. 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 Or, or like a Renfro type, uh, you know. But there's really nobody out there in that passing game. So I, I don't see how at some point he fails, you know. So I, I think you have to be excited – and for me, like it happened a couple of years back in baseball where you saw all these younger guys that never got promoted before are getting promoted. And this seems to be the trend in the NFL the last few years. I mean, I know last year we had a wait a game or two and then Justin Jefferson burst on the scene. But this seems to be the way. And I mean, Garrett Wilson's, a, you know, a top 10 pick. So, I mean, I'm Michael. I was thinking it was going to be more Elijah Moore. And hopefully they both can eat. But uh, what's going to happen when Zach Wilson comes? And then Dan, how are we supposed to keep Garrett Wilson and, and Chris Olave Bay on the uh, on the bench and our on our on our super team now? That that you know, how are we supposed to do it after thirty points, man? Uh, and Jefferson. Yeah, that's that's going to be a difficult one for sure. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a problem of having uh, too many wide receivers. No, I don't worry about that. Um, that's you know we have we have on our I think it's our varsity team we have like seven wide receivers that are all startable, uh, you know, and that you you really don't want to hold any of them out of your lineup. So that's a good problem to have. Rich uh, man problems. Rich man problems. Yes, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. But uh, you know, I I was really pushing hard on the rookie wide receivers this year. Uh, I'm just going to throw something up on the screen real quick here. And hold on, let me. I got. I got. I got. All right. Let's see. Well, there we go. That's what we're trying to get to. Okay, so you make it the, a little bigger, a little bigger. Um, if you can, if it, not, this one, oh, there you go. Beautiful. Okay, there you go. So anyway, you can see out of my top five wide receivers, four of them are rookies, as far as like uh, uh, what my ownership percentage is. Uh, I went really heavy on those guys. Uh, you know, you go down a little a little bit further, you'll also find uh, uh, Jahan Dotson is in there as well. Uh, just a little bit further down than those, not showing some Garrett Wilson. So, you know, I, I just liked where those guys were going in drafts. It made a lot of sense to me to be grabbing these rookie wide receivers rather than old, tired veterans that, you know, just really, I didn't think really had much of a chance to be league winners. And so, you know, I'm like, at, at this point, I'm shooting for all upside there. And, you know, I've got my, you know, I've got my guys that I'm really counting on to start already in the bag. 
And so, you know, this is like my fourth or fifth wide receiver that I'm, I'm rostering here. Yeah, it's, I, I think that that's the correct strategy. We've seen mm-hmm. now three years in a row where these wide receivers that are drafted early are beating their ADP and potentially crushing it. I thought Matt brought up a great point on Sky Moore. Sky Moore is kind of like a forgotten man right now, but the mm-hmm. fact that a Kansas City wide receiver has not emerged is, is a great thing for him. And I think that one of the best arguments for both him and Pacheco this week um, seeing literally no work was that it was a short week. And those guys need the mental preparation. They need plays put in for them. But you could see a scenario where Sky Moore is like emerges in week nine or ten, and you've got somebody you can start in the playoffs um, in these high stakes formats. So I would not go out there uh, and cut Sky Moore by any means. Uh, these guys look very, very good to me. Garrett Wilson. I think the thing that Garrett Wilson shows us, and we often talk dynasty in the Goat District, is. Landing spot doesn't matter. If you're a baller, you're a baller. And I think people avoided Garrett Wilson for the wrong reasons. The Jets factor, the effect that Elijah Moore was there. Like Dotson. It was the same with Dotson, right? They were falling late, late in the first, uh, mid, late, and then even in the second in Dotson's case. And it's just because their jerseys are ugly, so people don't see that same <laughs> upside. Yeah, and you saw this the same argument happen with DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown when they came in the league, um, you know, where, where guys were, were like, this, this is not the ideal scenario. Um, but but it doesn't matter. In the NFL, if you can play, you can play. You're seeing rookies make impacts year in, year out. Um, it's it's hey, just a Theo, great way of going. Theo, I, I'm old enough to remember OBJ 2015. Take, take me to football, guys. I got the proof right here. Won the league. You know, almost took that bad boy down. And, and let's not forget Juju. Same thing as a rookie. Guys picking him off waivers. So don't let these rookies sit on your in your waiver wire, guys, whether they popped yet or not. Because... This is how you win these big tournaments is having these guys like Dan said as your wide receiver six. And next thing you know, he's you know taking you to the promised land. Well, just going back to like Dan was showing the guys that he's invested in. At that point in the draft, I mean, you're either if you if you started out like, say, wide receiver heavy, you're either investing in the zero RB backs, you know, these pass catching type guys that you're trying to, you know, roster and stuff. Or you're making that decision between these rookie guys or, say, like the Julio Jones, who I, I'll admit, Julio, you know, I've always been a fan, but, I mean, he's another year older. He's in a good spot, but the problem consists, again, that can he stay on the field? I mean, maybe Tampa's like two years ago, by like week eight, everything meshes or as the season goes on, and Julio's crushing, but he's always had that problem. But you're looking at some of these guys. That's where you were eating. So I, I think when you're looking at that or like a Jarvis Landry type who will have those weeks, but I think Jarvis Landry is going to be third in that pecking order on, on, on that team. So I'd rather have, like you say, you'd rather have your starters and then hopefully these guys you drafted as your, you know, four, five, sixes, you can implement the middle of the season and down that stretch run and they can really, you know, if you need them, can help you out. No, absolutely. Um, the, the working wide receivers are exciting, but what's a little less exciting is is uh, my Travis Etienne shares. Uh, Michael, Michael, how how surprised are you at the Jacksonville running back pecking order right now? James Robinson is just, James James Robinson is just is just an incredible comeback story here off of injury. He looks like a man possessed. Do you think that this story has been written, um, or do you see that this that the this narrative is still playing out. Do you expect big weeks from Travis Etienne? 
Uh, he should, should he be on our bench at this point? What's your approach to this Jacksonville backfield? Uh, <clears throat> no, I, I think – well, I, I think this is what the backfield is going to be uh, as long as both are healthy, right? I mean, listen, we all know Robinson's a good player. We've seen it, right? He's done it. Yes, he's coming back from injury, and and maybe we all we all we we do this to ourselves all the time, right? Where we want the shiny new toy, and we kind of poo poo the, the the incumbent who's there. Um, and you know, I, I think that they can both succeed, right? Like, what, what's what's the story in week one if Etienne catches that pass mm-hmm. and runs it in for a touchdown, right? So I, I definitely think they can. Now, is he going to be like? the RB one that everyone expected or wants him to be. I don't know if that'll happen this year, but I definitely think he's still startable. You're not benching him. You're playing him. And I think he can still be very productive. Uh, It's just a matter of them, you know, getting in the right game flows and, and having him, you know, we haven't really seen that, you know, seen the, the, the game flow yet where they're down big and, and he's going to be in there and, and, you know, as the catching passes and in comeback mode, that's, I think when we'll when we'll start to see him come, come through a little more is is and injury, how do you sorry, sorry you, with the way James Robinson started I'm just here to interrupt questions by the way with the way James Robinson started is the only way we see Etienne hit kind of that ceiling with an injury to to the so. right back or what do you guys think uh, I don't think so actually I mean look I didn't think he'd be this healthy or look this good that first game he looked great you know plowing into the end zone he had that big run. In week two, but if we go back to week one, the the pass that you know Etienne was wide open in the end zone, it was overthrown ridiculously. He dropped another touchdown, so that was a two touchdown game that never was. Uh, I don't think uh, James Robinson's going away. It has flipped right now, but uh, it's a long season. James Robinson, I mean, this weekend rushed twenty three times for like sixty seven yards, and one of them was the thirty seven yard run. You take that run out, it's like 22 carries for like 27 yards. And, you know, I, it's a great story. And he is a really good player. But I don't, I think ETN is far from dead. Uh, we've seen some flashes. It may take some time. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll look at um, another situation if you want to look at like the Jets. I mean, Brees Hall, I mean, it's going to take a little time. But I think at some point, that guy's going to be a hammer. He's going to win people weeks this year. So two uh, two buy candidates right there. Oh uh, yeah, I, I would. I don't really play in uh, trade leagues. I'm in one home league with, with a friend, but uh, I would sell high on James Robinson if I could. I think the problem with that is his draft status, like where he went in drafts in home leagues. It's mostly people always going to look at that, yeah. and you know they're like, they're going to say I'm I'm not going to trade a third rounder for a twelfth rounder or something like that. So. Yeah. So I, I, Etn, I. I it's difficult for me because I'm, I'm a big fan of the talent, and I, I think that he has had only 18 touches in the first two games. Um, but I think that the that the weeks are coming still. I don't believe that Robinson can hold up with the type of volume that we saw him have last week. Um, and I think that the Doug Peterson offense is also still a, a bit evolving. So I think that the, I agree with Michael. I don't think the story is, is, is yet to be told. I do think you can comfortably put James Robinson in your lineup this weekend and treat him as an RB2. But ETN would be a guy I'd prefer to have when possible. I'd prefer to have him in the flex than on my bench because I feel like there's a chance that we're leaving big points on the board. How about you, Dan? Oh, Dan's muted. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. He's got a bit of a like whizzing in the background, so I just mute him when he's not on. Sorry, buddy. 
Here we go. There you go. All right. So I I have 0.0% of James Robinson. That was by design. Um, You know, I'm just not going to bet on somebody recovering from an Achilles. Uh, At at the running back position, we just really haven't seen any great examples of it yet. I mean, the best one I can come up with is Dante Foreman. And, you know, it, you know, it, Maybe next year I would have thought about it, but this year there was no way I was doing it. I'm very happy for James Robinson. Super happy that he's recovered this well. Uh, it's fantastic to see my 21 point whatever percent shares of uh, ETN are not loving it so much. And you know, as you know, as somebody who's just kind of watching the game, to me it looks like unless you're talking about short yardage carries, every gift, every uh, carry that they give to James Robinson is just a gift to the opposing defense because it's not going to ETN. Uh, you know, I think ETN's got a ton more juice. They should be giving him, you know, probably two thirds of the carries and just use James Robinson to kind of change up the pace and be the short yardage guy. But so that sounds like Dallas. sounds like the Cowboys right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm not charged. So, it, you know, it is what it is for now, but I've, I've, I haven't given up on ETN. I'm still putting him in my lineup in most places unless I have a really, really good option uh, to use instead. Sticking with the running back position, um, we've seen Najee Harris, Derrick Henry, and Dalvin Cook very slow out the gates. Uh, Derrick Henry, you know, we all saw the, the Bills game where it looked like he was stuck in the mud. Uh, game one was not so good for him either. Najee Harris has been slightly better, um, and Dalvin Cook will kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. Which guy are you most concerned about um, based on where you took them at ADP? Uh, and which guy do you think uh, could end up uh, – paying dividends throughout the season. Maybe, Matt, you could start with this one. Uh, I think you have to be concerned with Henry right now, just as I was touching on. That offense is just terrible. Outside of him, I mean, they got rid of A.J. Brown. Uh, Like I said, Burks could be a good player eventually, but there's really no one to put fear in, into defenses. I mean, the, the, you got Ryan Tannehill who, you know, had a couple of really nice years for the uh, Titans, but that ship has sailed. Uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing the uh, rookie in there a lot more going forward. I mean, Cook, you have to, I, I would say, probably have the most uh, optimism for because after week one, everybody was in love with the Vikings. You know, the Vikings were possibly, you know, going to the Super Bowl. And I still think they have a really good team. Uh, you know, Darius Slay just destroyed things for them last night. And it was just a bad game on the road. And as great as the Eagles look right now, too, the Eagles are going to have a bad game in, in the next couple of weeks. And my Bills got lucky in that first half because uh, there was a lot of, like, third down and ones or fourth and ones that they didn't execute on. I know they're missing Gabe Davis. But if they played a real team, like a really good team or a team with a really good quarterback or offense – that would have been a much more competitive game. Uh, they were able to take a 10-point lead and then blow them out in the second half. But, yeah, uh, I, I would be really concerned about Henry. And I think Cook, you know, they'll get that right. I, I think they have a lot of weapons there. They have a good head coach. You know, it's still it's still early for them, like I said. You know, it, it's a new it's a new uh, regime. So you might, you might have a couple of weeks here or there. Well, your Bills will get a tough one this weekend against that resurgent Miami team. That'll be a fun game. <laughs> that will. Be. How about you? How about you, Mike? Where Where are you at with these three backs? Um, who are you most concerned about, and who are you most optimistic about? Yeah, yeah, very similar to uh, to what Matt said. I would say, I mean, I, I 
I was totally off the Najee train this year. So like to me, like, you know, he, and he, and he was, he was my number one get last year. Like, so that's the diff, like you have to, you have to, every, every year is different. So you have to know when to kind of get on and get off the train with some of these guys. And uh, I just didn't like, you know, I didn't like what I saw out of Najee last year, even though he had really good numbers. He's, he looked slow. The line's terrible. Um, the quarterback situation's not the best. Uh, and I, and he's hurt <laughs> on top of it. We already know he's hurt and I don't know what happened, but I, I know, I don't know when we were in Vegas and we saw him rolling around on the ground in week one, like I, I looked over at Glenn Lowy, right. Cause he's, he was sitting like near us and he's a huge Najee owner this year. And, and, you know, he picked him right in front of me in the, in the New York super. And I was just like, that doesn't look good. And, uh, I don't know if he shot himself up or something to play this week, but like s- something's wrong there, and I, I'm real. I would be really concerned about him. Like I don't think he's making it through the season, honestly, and that's why. And Theo, you know this well. My number one owned player is Jalen Warren because I just didn't believe in in Najee this year. Shout out to to Michael in a uh, prime time in New York where Najee fell to me at the three hundred two, and I was feeling so proud of myself. And then Michael sniped me on Jalen Warren. So that was, that was awesome. He, he, he was a really tremendous pick. And I did the revenge uh, Mark Ingram snipe for his Alvin Kamara pick, but that didn't work out. So uh, right. I had to but then, you, Mike. But then, Theo, you cut him and, and let me pick him up this week for when Kamara didn't play. Not that it did anything for me. It got me like yeah. two points, but at, at least I had the option. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That was, that was just a pure tilting, you know, 15th round tilt, tilt, tilt move. Um. <laughs> How about how about you, Dan? Who who are you? Uh, I mean, I know Dan's answer on this, but maybe how concerned would you be if you had Derrick Henry? Um, and I'll also add, since you're you're a, a big dynasty guy, Dan, as well, would you be selling low um, in dynasty right now and just trying to abandon ship? Yeah, I I, I have no Henry and I have no uh, Najee in uh, my redraft. Um, I don't have either of them in dynasty either. Uh, I, I never was convinced about Najee even coming out. Uh, you know, last year would have definitely been nice to have him, but, you know, just like Mike was saying, uh, you know, this year I just, I, I didn't want any part of what he was doing in that offense behind that line. And uh, when all of a sudden it started coming out that um, he was having some kind of a Liz Frank issue, and we were hearing that like a week or so before the season started, uh, you know, that, that just put me, you know, I just crossed Mountain Red. I was just like, I don't even want it anymore. Uh, you know, and, and, and as Matt was saying, you know, too, that, you know, you've got, you want to, you want to make your bet the other way. Uh, you know, so if you're totally betting against Najee Harris, you better have a lot of Jalen Warren. If you, if you're totally betting against Derrick Henry, you better have a lot of, uh, uh, you know. That's that, an interesting one though. Are you done? Is it Hilliard or, or Hassan Haskins? Because it's like, that's interesting to me because I think that, you, Hilliard had the big week one, but if if Derrick Henry was to go down, would you see Hassan Haskins, you know, get 15 carries a game, and how much would that be worth um, in a in that Titans offense? So it's it's a it's a weird one trying to trying to fade him. Yeah, yeah, what, he, that's one of those places where I was taking some of uh, Hilliard, I was taking some of Haskins. It just kind of depended on who was available to me and which drafts. And, you know, at what point I was looking to, to make that pick because a lot of times uh, Haskins was going a little bit before Hilliard. Uh, and then, you know, after week one, people were all picking up Hilliard. And so, 
you know, right now I think everybody's going to be picking up Haskins because I think he got dropped in quite a few places as well. Two offenses that well, – well, first off, we'll start with the quarterback position. Carson Wenson and Tua Tungavailoa are currently both top six in quarterback scoring, FFPC and NFFC. Um, last week, Tua had a six-touchdown game. Carson Wentz, I believe, has seven touchdown passes on the season and over 85 uh, pass attempts. So right now, how do you guys view those two quarterbacks? Can we trust them as streamers? Are they potentially top 12 uh, quarterbacks? Um, And then a follow-up question would be, what are your expectations for the Miami and Washington offenses rest of the season? Start with Matt on this one. Well, I mean, as far as Miami goes – with those weapons, uh, it's it's the two weapons in we see in Hill and Waddle, but the head coach I think really makes a difference here. You know, when you see these teams that get coaches, you know the Giants finally got a coach. It's been like forever for them to have a coach, and you know you see the difference between like Matt Rule and what he's doing in Carolina, and you know what's going on in Miami right now. And look I, again, they were aided by secondary issues with the Ravens. I mean, there was some just blown coverage. I mean, Tyreek Hill, he can blow past DBs. That's obvious. But there was like, you know, there was no coverage on at least one of those deep plays. And Jalen Waddle, I think for a lot of people, uh, if you got the depressed draft day value because of the, because he wasn't practicing for a couple of weeks. I mean, there's really, he's one of the most exciting year two players out there. I mean, you see that speed. You saw it in week one on that passing court over the middle. So uh, I think, you know, you really have to be uh, – you have to be more in on Tua, obviously. I don't think that's saying anything like that. He was dropped in, in that one prime time. I'm very curious to see where he goes uh, on Wednesday night, how much he goes for, I should say. As far as Wentz goes, I mean, I, I think he's garbage. I think he's probably better than Matt Ryan, though. So I don't know if the Colts made, made – Made 100% right. better than Matt Ryan. Yeah, I don't think he made the right move there. But the thing about being garbage, like garbage time, it still counts the same. Those points count the same in fantasy as other times. And, and he has three weapon wide receivers. You got McKissick. I mean, Gibson, we, we saw week one. You know, he's, he's a much better pass catcher. Everybody, I think we're all comfortable with that at this point. And I don't know how long his shelf life is if Brian Robinson comes back in a month. But, I, I mean, I don't know if he's a top 12 Wentz. I, I wouldn't put him there. I'd rather have Goff if I had to choose from the two. Uh, but he's going to score points at times. You know, it's just they're going to be down. Uh, it's not a good team. But uh, Tua, I don't think Tua thought he could throw for 469 yards or whatever it was. But uh, I think as everybody's got to be excited about what's going to go forward with this Miami offense. Michael, uh, yeah. So I, I I agree with uh, a lot of what Matt said there. I think Tua, you have to be in on Tua. I think you know with the coach there, uh, with the weapons, you know. I think I think he's there to stay for sure. Um, I I could see him finishing as uh, overall like QB one, top twelve quarterback uh, with with the way that's going. Um, and Wentz, I was thinking about this one. A good comparison for Wentz, I feel like, is Blake Bortles. Boom. <laughs> like, I feel like that's that's the comparison. He's having good games. Yes, 
he could still have some, but I agree with Matt. I think he he's not a good quarterback overall, and you know I think he has some good weapons, so he, he'll put up some games, but he's definitely not somebody I would trust. Um, I saw someone in the chat posted something about picking him up for Dak. I think, yeah, like if you get someone, that's you got to hope he can do this for a couple more weeks, right? And then I think he'll be okay there. And and in in terms of the offenses in general, again, you know, not to belabor the same points, but. 100% agree with Matt. I think Miami's weapons are really good. They made the, the right moves. They went out and got guys. They brought in a coach that actually knows how to use the weapons, which I think is key. Um, and in Washington, I, you know, who knows? Like, I, I think it's it's been a little fool's gold in the first couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've seen over over the past couple of years, like, you know, I, I don't think the coaching staff there really knows what's going on or knows how to use everyone the right way, considering what they've botched up with all their running backs over the years. So uh, I'm not, not too keen on, on them going forward. I think they'll, they'll slow down as we move through the season. I'll say Logan Thomas also helps a lot. It looks like he's kind of fully back. So mm-hmm. Wentz, I think we'll know a lot more after this week. They play that Philadelphia defense. Um, it is a short week for, for uh, Philly. And the game is in Washington. But if he comes out and throws for another 300 yards and three touchdown passes against that defense, um, then I think it's something we need to keep an eye on. And I did use Wentz this past weekend uh, on a couple of DAC spots, and and he came through for me. So I won't talk trash about you for for a whole week, uh, Carson Wentz, because he helped my fantasy team win. Um, Dan, uh, and I, I agree with you guys on that Miami offense. Those two wide receivers are the real deal. Um, so it's, you know, the whole narrative about Jalen Waddle regressing, you know, right, right down the analyst who, who told you that this past summer. And I'll tell you, there's not one, one of us in the GOAT district was ever off of Waddle. Mm-hmm. We've been steadfast in our, in our love for Jalen Waddle all summer long. We had a couple of guests who come on, who came on and told us that was their fade. Uh, we'll just keep that one in the back of our mind uh, with all due respect to those guys. <laughs> Dan, what, anything to add on these two offenses? Um, not really much. I mean, I think, uh, you know, everybody's waiting for the wheels to fall off on Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, as far as the Miami offense, I, you know, I definitely had it totally backwards. I was expecting, you know, the run game to be what really took off. And, you know, for the the passing game to kind of work off of that a little bit. And it seems to be, uh, you know, that they're, they know what their main weapons are. <laughs> Those are the wide receivers. Uh, with Waddle and uh, Hill, and they're using those as much as possible. And so I think that's going to definitely keep Tua uh, chugging along pretty good. I wouldn't put either of them as top 12 quarterbacks, really. But, uh, you know, Tua is probably closer to top 12 than Wentz for me. Uh, J.D., would you trade Matt Ryan for uh, Carson Wentz right now for your Indianapolis Colts? I would trade Matt Ryan for a bag of pucks right now, as we say up here at north of the border. Uh, I'm I'm a bitter uh, Colts fan because as a Leafs fan, uh, and if anyone follows hockey, you know how the Leafs back in the day, they used to take guys, stars, like past their primes, you know, like way past their primes. And I feel like that's what, uh, you know, a a management that looked really strong in Indy, uh, the mistakes that they've they've kind of made at quarterback. uh, I mean, look, it's, it's two weeks in. You hope this turns around, but the first two weeks were so bad in, in Houston and, and Jacksonville, like two teams that they should easily beat. Uh, I made the mistake of saying they, they could challenge uh, the Bills, you know, to get to the bowl this year, and, and it's not even close. I mean, I was right on Philly, but definitely not uh, with the Colts. They have a lot of work to do. Um, 
obviously they were missing a lot of weapons as we talked about in our chat, uh, you know, Granson and, and, um, and uh, Dolan were good pickups last week uh, just to kind of put at the end of your bench and, and kind of use them as these injuries maybe linger. But um, yeah, I'm not encouraged by what I see in, in Indy so far. I hope it turns around. And if not, I mean, heads have to roll because this has been, uh, it's been too long now that this has been kind of dragging. Well, I got a question since we're talking about Matt Ryan. And like you said, week one, they faced the Texans, which I thought would be a much easier game for them. And Michael Pittman ate and he ate well, but that was on like 50 pass attempts. And like going forward, is there any concern for Pittman with Matt Ryan, you know, possibly being washed? And if the game script doesn't allow it or the pass attempts, you know, how is he going to eat is basically my question. Well, I'll say that I think the Michael Pittman is, is we basically, it's kind of like what we talked about on the GOAT district all summer where we, we all love Pittman mm -hmm. and I drafted Pittman in the New York super with, with, uh, with, with Michael. Um, I think we took him like 18th overall, but I just think that he lacks wide receiver one overall upside. I think that he gets held back by that. And people say, well, of course he won't be wide receiver one overall, but when you're drafting a guy in the second round, you hope he has that range of outcomes. I think he's super safe. I think he's going to be one of the top targets per game wide receivers there are. I think that any time he's on the field for Indianapolis, he's going to get double-digit targets, and he's a good enough player to produce. Um, but I do – I don't really worry so much. I just think that you have to be realistic that he is not – he doesn't have that the, the same the same range of outcomes like a mm -hmm. Stephon Diggs does. That's, That's kind of my approach. Anything different um, with that um, – Mike or Dan or, or, or JD? No. no. I, I, no I, I agree with that. And that's kind of, I think, how we were drafting. As much as I love my Colts and I love Pittman and, and JT, I just, I could never pull the trigger on, on Pittman because of the opportunity cost and who he's going around. You know, and now we see it. We see Hill popping. We see Diggs kind of, you know, going even above ADP where he was going at the end of the first. So um, it, it, I'm looking through my ownership. I do not have a lot of Pittman this year. Well, Pittman versus A.J. Brown and Tyree Kill will come down to it because I think that that was, for FFPC drafters, that was the, you draft a running back at the 101, and then at the 2-3 the turn, um, you know, you, you usually had the choice of getting at least one of those guys. So I think the end of the year, seeing the A.J. Brown versus Tyree Kill versus Michael Pittman will be a good, like, going back in our process type, uh, type he, thing he, for the end of the year. He has to be Theo. He has to be Harris, uh, Najee Harris of last year, basically based on volume. Where if he's getting 13 targets like he got in week one, fine. Pittman will give you that the fantasy points. But if that if that offense doesn't turn around and he's not getting that volume, it's going to be sketchy for where you got. Well, week week one, he got you 27 points, so you were you were feeling pretty good about that one. 13 he did help the the, the yeah, overtime no, as well. Is, though that was on like 50 pass attempts, and it's either are they going to have that like like. Like JD is saying, is that volume going to be? I, I think Pittman's a great player. I I have a couple shares of him as well. I'm just like we're talking Matt Ryan, so I, I want to just see everybody else's level of concern. If it looks like the offense has to run through JT to get some W's, and in, in mm -hmm. that's that's what I'm seeing. I feel the same way. DJ Moore staying at the wide receiver position. DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, Hollywood Brown, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, and Juju Smith Schuster. All of these fourth and fifth round type wide receivers not named Amon Ross St. Brown, 
um, and Jill and Waddle for that matter, um, are all kind of not necessarily busts, but none of them has made a, a big impact. DJ Moore caught a touchdown to save his week this past weekend. Brandon Cook saw another, I think he's got 20-something targets for the year, but hasn't really done a whole lot. Um, Terry McLaurin, you guys alluded to before, uh, has seen a, a dip in, in targets with Samuel getting overly targeted. DK Metcalf, you know, a little bit of mixed bag. And Hollywood Brown's been just okay. Of these players, who are you most concerned about? And who do you think uh, bounces back for you? Start with Michael on this one. Yeah. So how crazy is it? Like, and I don't know, I'm assuming, you know, we all kind of had the same kind of thoughts and ideas uh, guys we were trying to set up, like at least in the NFFC KDS or like where we want to draft literally like this is all we drafted in this range for the most part, right? This is what we wanted wide receivers. And, and for the most part so far, they've all been terrible. Like you just said, uh, it's amazing to me. And, like, you didn't mention, like, the Darnell Mooney's and, like – All right, we can't talk about him. No, we're but, not like, going to talk about Darnell Mooney. I was going to – I was going to say the chat, the chat started talking bears, and I'm like, don't even bring up the topic. <laughs> like, no, I already talked about yeah? We already talked about Matt Ryan for, like, five minutes. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that. the non-fantasy stars. No Darnell Mooney. Don't even say his name. It's just it's just amazing to me, though, like, that that like knowing that – this is what all we wanted to do. Right. And if, it, if this doesn't teach us a lesson, right. Like what, what we should do kind of in the future, it's like when all else fails and there's questions about these guys, just take Patrick Mahomes, right. Just like pass over these guys and take like the elite quarterback. I mean, that's, if this is what it's going to be every year and, and I'm going to pull my hair out, like, listen, I'm drafting all these receivers and they suck. Like I'm not going to deal with it. Right. Like I'm, you're going to have to change and adjust as you go forward. And that's just an example. You know, like, you know, of that group, I would say, you know, the one guy that at least at least started to, like, look a little bit of the part and maybe he just needed some time with the new team and everything that I still have hope for is Marquise Brown. Um, You know, they've just looked really bad, right? Kyler's looked terrible. The team's looked bad. I, I have hope for when Hopkins comes back, uh, the schedule opens up, like, for the second half that that offense can turn it around. Quite honestly, the rest of them, I don't know how much hope I have for all of them. They all have issues. They all have warts. Um, obviously, DJ Moore is, is probably the – has the most talent of the group, and I think he'll be okay. He he always finds a way to get his 70 catches for 1,000 yards and, like, what, four touchdowns. He'll, he'll do that, I'm sure. Uh, but the rest of the guys, you know, I'm concerned about all of them, to be honest with you. Oh, oh I got a big OTC, guys. Mooney, Mooney, or Adam Thielen? Adam both, Thielen. Both guys in that round. I mean, it's – I've neither one of them though. Neither that's one of what them. I'm saying. And and I think you anybody still starting either one of those guys is just that's not the right way to play fantasy. Let let the situation change in Chicago before you're like a glutton for punishment. Uh Justin Fields has I believe uh like twenty pass attempts, twenty something pass attempts for the season. And Adam Thielen looks like to me, he doesn't look as good as KJ Osborne. Uh, when it comes down to it right now. So those those guys are dust, essentially, until they they prove it otherwise. What about you, Matt, with the, the um, with this tier of guys who has kind of let us down? I mean, I agree with Michael. There's there's some level of concern on all of them. And I agree about the, the, the Hollywood Brown comment that, I mean, if he gets in there when he got tackled on the one and yes. gets a touchdown, that's six points. And then that fourth and one call 
where uh, Kyler threw the bomb in OT and like he caught it and then he got popped by the safety. I mean, that was a hell of a hit, but you got to catch that ball in that, in that moment. You know, that changes his day. That's like another 10 points right there. And uh, so him, I, I would agree. I mean, DJ Moore for me is the guy I'm most invested out of this group. And like I'm, Matt Rule kind of needs to get fired. I mean, the way he, what's going on with CMC, like if I was going to lose my job and look, he's getting paid a lot of money, successful college coach, he'll get welcome back there in a heartbeat. But, you know, you got pride and you want to, like you have CMC and he's healthy right now. And how are you not making him like the focal point? And for Robbie Anderson to be getting as many targets as a DJ Moore, I don't care. You have ties back from college or anything like that. I I just don't get it. You know, I'm not a head coach. I don't pre- pretend to be a scout or anything like that. But like, it's that's just obvious to me. Like, that's just that's just poor coaching. That's not that's not giving yourself the best chance to win. It's, I mean, is he is he the first one fired, Matt? If it doesn't change, I I have to agree. I mean, this weekend is huge for them. Uh, I thought against the Giants, CMC was going to have a really big day. I expected DJ Moore to have a much better day. Like, why are we throwing this ball to Sills or whatever his name is? I know he dropped the wide open pass. It was the right pass at that time. But, I mean, that was just some bad football. I mean, even on the Giants side, too. Uh, I mean, they got, they got lucky that, you know, they missed that 47-yard field goal in Tennessee. There would have been no dancing in that locker room. And I look, I got a lot of Saquon, so I'm pulling for him, you know. But the Giants, how, like, Tony isn't the number two target on that team after, like, Saquon. Like, those two guys have to be the focal points. Uh, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't get it, put it that way. 29% target share for Sterling Shepard this weekend, Matt. That makes you, you know. Well, yeah, so well, Shepard's the one guy that, I mean, it was just, was he back from the ACL that you knew – he would get some, but for Tony to touch the ball like a couple of times a week, like especially when you saw in week one when they gave him the ball twice and they, they couldn't tackle him, he looked dynamic. I mean, and we saw flashes last year. I mean, you can't seem to stay on the field uh, health-wise, but when he's healthy, I, I don't understand how you don't use these guys. Dan, which of these wide receivers are you most hopeful for um, and which are you most concerned about? Well, I mean, you know, we we probably saw this problem coming a little bit because we had about 36 wide receivers that were getting, uh, you know, promoted as top 24 wide receivers. So, uh, you know, just the, the simple math said some of these guys were going to fail. Uh, you know, and that, to me, that's part of the reason why we're, we're probably taking a couple guys in that range is to try to make sure we get at least one hit, you know, and hopefully you get two hits. What you don't want to get is, is two that fail. Uh, I, I, I'm with what everybody has said so far. I'm most concerned about McLaurin, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, DK Metcalf a little bit as well. Uh, though I think it's too early to totally panic on him. Uh, same thing with Juju. I mean, I think some of these guys might end up being all right. But McLaurin, with the way that offense is running, it just kind of seems like it's running a little bit more through the running backs and uh, Curtis Samuel. And uh, Jahan Dotson is starting to steal his thunder, too. So he's the one I'm most worried about. And give me Hollywood Brown as well. Um, I think that the Arizona offense, like that Arizona offense, I think is going to turn around. They've been so bad for the first half 
two straight games. Kansas City game was a buzzsaw. And then Las Vegas, the, you know, for whatever reason, that first half was just so bad. Um, they have the Rams this week. Um, you know, I think that the Browns getting enough targets and we believe in Kyler enough that I think that that's going to be the player I would bet on. And I might be most concerned about Juju just based because I'm just not seeing it. I don't, I don't think that I, I, gonna I was be... just going to, I was just going to ask the, like uh, to our guests, like are we giving up on Juju or have we just not seen how this new Chiefs offense is going to kind of develop because well, well, not giving up. I mean, I think that you're, you're, you're just, my, my expectations for him are closer to like, I think that during the summer there was a narrative where he could be a, you know, top 15 wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And I think you really need to treat him as a, as a wide receiver three. Um, He's attached to Patrick Mahomes, but I have concerns. Uh, I mean, for me, just with that question, like I wanted exposure to the Chiefs' offense, and the two ways I got it, uh, and, and I knew one of them was going to take some time, was uh, Sky Moore uh, at, at that price. I think he's the closest player on that roster. Obviously, he's green, but he's the closest thing to a, a Tyreek Hill element that they could put out there at some point. And the other guy was Jarrett McKinnon, because to me, in the last two years, the Chiefs have looked the best when they had Damian Williams and when they had Jarek McKinnon in those two playoff runs. And those guys, I mean, look, Chi looked, you know, he got, he's gotten the points, he got the touchdowns. They just, like you said, buzzsaw with Arizona. But even this week when he had that, that big run, it looked like he was like holding like a bread, like running from a communist like regime or something like, you know, he had it eaten in weeks and, you know, he just like made it through that hole. Like it was, it was a hole, but it wasn't the most impressive one. Put it that way. Uh, that I was the it. ultimate example of running, Brandon, like you just stole something. <laughs> you need the GIF and the guy running with the big screen TV under his arm or whatever down the road. Yeah. That's exactly it. So one situation that, that's been alarming um, is the, the Kyle Pitts situation in Atlanta. He has four catches in two games. Arthur Smith seems like a moron. Um, I, I don't know if you guys think differently, and uh, maybe I shouldn't use that word, but he, that's just how he seems. And I hate the standoffish nature where he said he, he immediately deflects and says, I don't care about fantasy football after starting the year 0-2 and not getting his top five draft pick targets. You know, put put aside the fantasy football thing, but I mean, the quote made me very angry. Uh, made that's me the silver lining the for me, though. That's actually the silver lining, like you said. He's not interested in fantasy football, and he's wanting to win, but his record is 0-2. Like you yep. can say that if you're two and zero, and you say that and say, you know what, we're winning games here. Talk to me when we lose. So that's the optimism I have. Uh, and like I said in the in the FFPC main event, I had um, I took Kyle Pitts in the first round, going for that tight end premium. I mean, I paired him with Saquon, but uh, you know, so far it's 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 been a devastating two weeks. And there's nobody you're gonna bench him for. I mean, I, I don't care. Like, I have Gerald Everett's like my most owned tight end. But I'll, if I have to, I'll put him in a lineup with him. I'm not sitting Kyle Pitts and then watching the one week where he goes off and, you know, snatches souls and he's on my bench. That's, that's not going to happen. So I, I think the fact that they're 0-2 uh, will open – has to open the door to him. 
uh, getting more uh, involved in actually getting, you know, having it done. And Drake London blowing up, teams are going to have to focus more on him too. So I, I think it has to happen. I, at least that's what I'm going with. Put it that way. <laughs> Michael, talk talk me off the ledge. Like like Matt, I also have an FFPC main event first round Kyle Pitts uh, share that I'm that's not going so well at this point. What do you think? Are we seeing a bounce back soon? Yeah, I mean, listen, Kyle, Kyle Pitts is one of my highest on guys. I mean, you know, I, I, my whole New York Super draft strategy was centered around getting him at three one, right? So, like, you know, I it's so I have a I have a partner that I split some of my uh, or most of my NFFC teams with. Uh, his name is Scott Kaplan. And and Scott's very sharp as well. Shout out if he's listening. You're a very good player as well, Scott. Yeah, and he, the, the the one thing that you know he brings to the table for me, like I I, I don't watch college football like at all. So and he's he's a, a Michigan alum, like a diehard diehard college football everything. So so you know he's the one I get the scouting reports from, right? And so like I you know in most cases like I'm control I may I'll make all the draft decisions, but if he like pounds the table for a guy, like I listen there. And and in the, the years we've been partners, there's been three times he's pounded the table. One time was for Patrick Mahomes in, in, in the year he broke out. The second time was last year for Jamar Chase. And the third time was this year for Kyle Pitts. And so far, it hasn't worked for Pitts, but I have to hope that it's going to come, right? He's a generational mm-hmm. talent um, that I think at this point, we have to hope it's the coaching staff and, and not the player, right? I was trying to watch the routes, right, a little bit on the game to kind of see, you know, so, some of the routes, actually, if you go back and look on some of the passes, like on the one Drake London touchdown and, and even on, on one of the other plays, they didn't even look right. They were, like, both running the same route. I don't know if you guys noticed any of this, but, like, Drake London and Kyle Pitts literally were running the same route. So I don't know if one ran the wrong route. If Is Pitts doing stuff wrong? Is that why he's not getting the ball? Like I'm, I'm starting to wonder a little bit about that because some, you know, some of those things don't look right when you actually look at at some of the footage. But the talent's there, and I still have hope mm-hmm. from from my standpoint. And I think that he's still he's still getting the the slot snaps. Um, he's still running the routes. Um, so I think that the, you know, we we often see the like the the squeaky wheel gets the grease uh, type treatment, and I think that after zero and two you could see him, you know, come out and have a bounce back game this week. Uh, Dan, share your thoughts on, uh, on Kyle Pitts. Please don't use the, uh, the, the, the initials EE in your comparison for him as a player. Please don't. I, I can't hear it tonight. <laughs> okay. I, I, I will definitely not say the Ebron word, but. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm only, I'm letting the people who drafted Pitts worry about him. Um, I got no concerns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did get a couple full mo shares of uh, Pitts, you know, just to, to make sure I had some in my portfolio. But honestly, you know, he's very young for a tight end still. Uh, and a lot of times tight ends, it just kind of comes with actual physical maturity. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, you know, I, I, I understand why the, the Falcons drafted him where they did. I don't understand why they're using him like they are. Uh, you just got to keep them in your lineup and hope it turns around. That's- well, here's, here's the ray of hope that I'll put out there. I tweeted out today. If you just look back to last year, and it's a different position and everything, 
but basically just the talent wise of of these players like he's a generational talent and all that uh i mean after three games last year jonathan taylor was being looked at as a first round bust i mean people were angry uh my partner in my home league was like why the hell did you draft jonathan taylor and i'm like dude chill and i mean did i know he was going to go on to be that i hoped but you know i I was nervous at that point and i'm not saying kyle pitts is going to do that but you have to look at these things like the first two weeks like if we flip some of these weeks that happened like after week one if uh uh if if jj who i think will, will end up as the wide receiver one justin jefferson you know if he had that week two and not week one you know, you're looking at him totally different. After week one, everybody's freaking out. Like, you know, I just spent the top three pick or drafted him second. I took him over cup. So, you know, you just you, you have to try and have patience. If you built a good team and, you know, you know, you, you, you obviously don't want to fall too far behind. But that's the beauty of these points leagues. You need to be within range. And you're one 200-point week away, and that guy getting 130 points, and that's a 70-point swing. I'm not saying that's going to happen every time for everybody, but I'm just trying to, you know, show you how, you know, how things can change rather quickly. We have seen some successful tight ends um, in a range that was kind of interesting. There's Pat Fryermuth, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby um, are all off to very fast starts. Can these players maintain their success? Start with Michael on this one. Yeah, I mean, Listen, this is this is where we are with tight ends, right? If they if they score ten to twelve points, we're like thrilled, right? So so if if that's what we're talking about, like in terms of success, I would think in this group, like Fryermuth's the guy that that I I believe in. I have some shares, you know. I I think he has some upside, some more upside there, um, you know. And I and I think the other guys are serviceable, right? I think you know, like I think when I when I hear these names, like that's what I think, right? I I think. 10 points, like 40 yards and a touchdown. Like that's what you're looking for and hoping for from these guys. Um, and in all honesty, like that could be tight end five this year. So, you know, that's, 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 I think they can all continue to do it. Um, but the one I have the most confidence in would be Fryermuth. Uh, I mean, can they do it based on their draft price? I think uh, absolutely. Uh, Fryermuth, I think, regardless of the quarterback, is in a good situation. The guy I'm highest here. I mean, look, Higby got a lot of – Higby should have had a touchdown last week, if not two of them. I mean, he got, you know, tackled on right before the goal line, and then he dropped one. Uh, but, I mean, Gerald Everett, to me, uh, he's the guy I have the most exposure to. He was that late-round guy that I could get as my tight end, too. Uh, if I did, like, a Fryermuth or a Cole Clement, and Cole Clement, I mean – they're not throwing the ball in Chicago, so that's a zero. But, I mean, Gerald Everett, with, with that number seven on and the way he's running, I'm I'm very excited. Just having Herbert and being in that offense, I think, gives him the advantage out of the three. Dan or J.D.? Totally agree. Totally agree. I, I think Everett is the one uh, outside of Friarmouth that's probably going to go the farthest. Yeah, like we're looking at targets, right? Higby right now has got the most targets. He's averaging 10 targets uh, a game. And then you got your boy Mandrews and then Friar Muth third. So you're either looking at targets or, or red zone usage with, with these tight ends, right? That's basically what you want. Um, and they're in good offenses uh, other than Fry. <laughs> I don't know if you want to consider Friar Muth in a good offense, but um, Higby and Everett, I mean, not surprised. Everett was a guy we talked about often on the show. 
and then Higney as well, just being part of that offense. And, and as he, as he evolves um, with Matt Stafford, have his, having more uh, stay in that offense, I think he's, it's just natural for him to become more part of that, uh, that offense. For, for me, I love, I love Firemouth. Um, that's anybody who listens to go district. We've oh, we, we know. We know. So I'm, I'm happy about Firemouth and I'm, I'm very, uh, very happy about teams. I've drafted Gerald Everett on, um, Higby, I, I think will come back down to earth just because we've never seen him be able to do it for that long of a time. You know, he had the, when his break, his breakout was like a six game sample size. I, don't, I just don't see it with Higby. I think the other two, you have to be feeling very, very good. Uh, how about we go a little bit deeper at tight end? Uh, is there a late round or undrafted when I say undrafted, they weren't drafted in the first 20 rounds tight end that you could see sticking. I'll throw out a few names, Tyler Conklin, Hayden Hurst, Logan Thomas, a lot of those guys were on waivers to start out FF or not FFPC, but a lot of those guys were on waivers to start out at FFC leagues. Um, which of those three are you most excited about? Um, and do you see any of those three finishing as top 12 tight ends? Uh, Michael? Um, I mean, I think the only one of that group that could possibly do that is Logan Thomas, uh, in my opinion. Um you know, I mean, he's done it before. He's coming back from injury. I mean, we know we 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 know he's a you know pretty good tight end when healthy. Uh, I'm not really interested too much in the other guys. Uh, you know, they're they're they would be more kind of like just bye week replacement or injury guys for me that I would look at. Um, the one guy you know that you didn't mention that you know interestingly enough, like he actually has more points than Kyle Pitts at this point, but is is Isaiah JD, JD has more. Yeah, is Isaiah likely? Like, I, I know, like, he's behind Andrews, and but, you know, he did have four catches in this last game, and he's talented. And if anything were to happen to Andrews, like, I think he'd be a smash. Like, he's he's definitely someone that, that I'd keep my eyes on. I, I mean, for me, I agree with Michael. It's Logan Thomas. Uh, we were excited for him not that long ago. Um. I mean, the, the the problem here with, with Hayden Hurst is I think they're going to need their tight ends to stay in here. Look, Joe Burrow's been sacked 13 times. This offense hasn't looked – I mean, last year, you know, the offense was kind of slow getting off the ground because he was coming off the injury. I, I think they got to stop with the shotgun. I think they're like 70% shot – 73% shotgun. And you can't just have these guys teeing off on you. Uh, I think this line will gel. They they got some good players in. Uh, it does take some time for an offensive line to gel, but I do think you need to get them under center. Uh, you have to have some play fakes in there or handoffs. You, you, you just can't, I don't think, every time just being sitting there because they're not getting blocked anyway, and Hayden Hurst can't be running out. Uh, I mean, in my eyes, I'm a big Joe Barrio guy. I, I think he's a buy low. I, I see all these articles. I never hear him being mentioned as a buy low. Like, this is when these are, these are like real buy lows. When guys are well underperforming to what their like floor is, and they have like uber talents. Like, he has two wide receivers, especially in the first three weeks, man. Come on. Like, that are all world, and they're going to figure this out. And so, I mean, I just don't see Hayden Hurst having that, you know, having that too. Yeah, Logan Thomas was was tight end four overall two seasons ago, so he's he's got that pedigree. 
Uh, Dan, you love diving into the skanky tier of tight ends. You are the tight end whisperer. Uh, He's a tight end whore. There's no depths of the tight end position. Bottom of the Dan's not willing baby. to go. So, uh, who is there? Is there a is there a very under the radar guy? We're gonna um, call, we're gonna call it the, the two thirty a.m. tight end. <laughs> yep. It's the it's Wednesday night at the bar. It's two. I got my tight end goggles tight on. End are you going you know it. <laughs> yeah. Tight end goggles. That's a new shirt. Get the yep. get the intern yep. on it. Yep. Got to get the intern on that one. Uh, um, I, I like Logan Thomas for sure. Uh, Conklin. I think uh, you know. I thought Conklin was the better option than Uzuma the whole time. So I'm not even sure how much Uzuma coming back is going to affect that. Um, but I, I like Evan Ingram a lot, too. I yeah, think, uh, Ingram's right know, there, yep. Yeah, he, he's on an offense where, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence has, has used the tight end a lot in the past. We know that, um, you know, Doug Peterson, has offense features the tight end a lot. Evan Ingram's a guy who can, you know, if he's used right, uh, unlike what he was used in the by the Giants with um, – with the clapper, uh, Jason Garrett, uh, who, who could not figure out how to use Ingram at all. Um, you know, I, I think he's got a lot of skills. I mean, yeah, he drops a few balls, but you know what? you got to get thrown the ball to drop the ball, so I don't care. Um, interesting about Ingram is he's at 6.7 yards per reception right now, which would be his career low. So mm-hmm. I think that there is big games coming for him, just, just, just a little positive regression one or two big plays, but, uh, but he's certainly seeing the routes run and the targets you want to see. So I think that's a great call by Dan. Okay, guys, we've reached that time of the show um, that we all prepared for. We're going to do our redraft top fives at each position. Doesn't have to be a whole lot of context here. We're going to start out at the quarterback position. Tell me your top five, and we'll go around the horn. Let's start out with Michael on this one. If you're okay. drafting today. Yep. Uh, yeah, this one, this one, probably the easiest one for me. I'd say it's, uh, you know, Josh Allen one, Mahomes is two, Jalen Hurts is three. Then I would go with, uh, Herbert four and Lamar five. Matt. Okay. We're going to be different here. Uh, I got Allen one, but I got Lamar two. I I think this offense is really going to go Hurts three, Herbert four and Mahomes five. Interesting. Dan. I had the exact same order as Matt, except I had uh, Mahomes and Herbert flipped. So I had Mahomes four and Herbert five. JD. Allen, Jackson, Mahomes, Hertz, and then Murray and Herbert. Okay. I have, I have, I have like, I have like Allen, and then like the second tier, and those guys are in my second tier. That's fair. That's fair enough. And for me, it would be Lamar Jackson as QB one overall. Uh, I think he showed us a little flash last week, and I think the defense being bad is going to help it. Josh Allen is two. Jalen Hurts is three for me. Patrick Mahomes is four, and Herbert is five. Um, And I agree. I think Murray could jump into that. Um, You guys concerned? You guys concerned about the ribs? Because I I forgot about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely concerned about the ribs, um, but I think that it's a I, – I think it's going to be a pain tolerance thing. He's a, He showed his toughness end of the game, and, you know, ribs are funny. Ribs are end up being a pain tolerance thing. So this is the, the NFL. If anybody's seen any given Sunday, it goes down like that. So don't be too concerned about <laughs> Herbert. 
Um, Enter James Woods. Let's find him a different doctor. Dr. Harvey Mandrake. If any of the young kids haven't seen the movie, it's a classic. Uh, Matt, we'll start out with the running back position. Give us your top five. Uh, I mean, I do think there's a good possibility Swift could be one, but I'm pretty much going to stay with uh, what I have here. What did I write down? CMC, JT, Swift, Barkley, and I mean, number five. Five is get, so hard. It's so hard. I, I, I wrote down three guys. I mean, Dalvin Cook, because I think the offense is is going to be really good. It could be him. Javante, if they ever, you know, gave it to him. Or if the Browns ever went full chub. So, I honestly, I really don't know who five is. <laughs> I threw three names in there. Dan, who are your top five? I have JT first, Barkley second, Swift third. Uh, McCaffrey fourth, and for my fifth, I I had a hard time with that one too, but I threw in Aaron Jones. Uh, I just I like the way That's... he's being used in that offense. JD, yeah, I, I had the same four as you guys: uh, JT, CMC, Barkley, and Swift. I, I think it's too early to to, to kind of you know throw JT and CMC too too far down the list. I still have them as my top two guys. I mean, Barkley sneaks in there. Uh, but same as Dan, I've got Jones right now in the five spot. But like Matt, I mean, you could – that's when I messaged you guys, said it, it's tough decisions. Uh, Cook can easily slide in there. And, and like you said, uh, Javante getting more opportunity out there can easily climb in the top five. Michael. Yeah, and I, I think it's similar. I think, you know, we're all pretty much locked in on the same top four, right? I, I didn't – at this point, I didn't change – too much on what I what I thought like preseason. Um, I still like would have CMC, Taylor, Barkley, and then obviously Swift has moved up. So I think those are those are definitely the top four. And, and honestly, for the fifth, like like similar to Matt, like I have like three or four different guys circled, and similar some of the same names that he had. Um, I I don't think we can kind of discount Eckler yet either. I mean, hit there the offense there is just too good. Um, you just saw in, in the la- in the last week, like he bar- he he didn't. He had 19 points, and what did he do? He, like, did nothing. Um, but I, I think, you know, Matt mentioned Chubb. I mean, what I've – I'm totally not a Chubb guy. I think I have a couple shares where I got him at the You got end. a couple shares, Mike. You got a couple shares. At the end of the fourth round is where yeah, – I got a four shares. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to compliment to you with that one. Yeah, yeah. But, I, like, like to me, it's, like, what I've seen so far, like, I, I think he, he has a shot this year to pull off that Derrick Henry-type year if they, if they keep using him this way. So I am, um, and I, I didn't rank them on this one, but I'll rank them now. Um, I'll say Jonathan Taylor finishes RB one overall. Saquon two, DeAndre Swift three, CMC four, and my RB five was Mixon. I think he looks really, really good, and I think that offense is going to turn around in a big way, and he'll have his big weeks. Uh, now we're going to move to the tight end spot. We'll start out with Matt on this one. Gerald Everett one, and then who's two? <laughs> I mean, it's Kelsey Andrews. Uh, Pitts, I got to keep Pitts at three. Uh, I got to believe that, you know, they have to go in 0 2. You know, he, he sounded like a jackass, you know, with, with that comment, the talent. Four is uh, Darren Waller. I mean, fifth for me would be Kittle if he can stay on the field. I mean, Kittle's a tremendous player. So, I mean, Kittle, I thought maybe Hawkinson had a chance before the season, but, you know, I'll, I'll get, I guess it's Kittle, if not, then Gerald Everett. Dan. All right. So um, I went Kelsey one, Andrews two, Waller three, 
going out on a limb a little bit, Kittle 4, Godert 5, and I left Pitts off just to own the rest of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> ice cold, Dan. That's absolutely ice cold. Uh, JD, give us your top five. It's not it, – Kelsey, Mandrews, obviously the top two. And then, again, like I, I kind of feel like I have a tier here with Waller, Pitts, Kittle, and, and Godert, and you can kind of shake them around uh, as as we go through these weeks. Uh, I'm like Matt, man. I'd love to see Kittle kind of stay healthy and and uh, get back to Kittle, you know, and give us that kind of top three uh, production. And and you you got to want to see Pitts, man, give us uh, some of what we uh, drafted him for. Michael. Yeah, so s- similarly, I have, you know, Kelsey and Andrews, one, two. Um, you know, and, and honestly, like, my high, I, I have a lot of pits, but my highest owned tight end is, is the, actually Dallas Goddard, and he was the one guy, like, I planted my flag on this year. I would probably put him three this year because he just he's just a stud. Like, he, so good. he's awesome. Um, I love seeing him run with the ball when, when they throw to him. So I'd say him three. I'm still going to throw pits four. And then five – it was kind of a, for me, like a coin flip between Ertz and Fryermuth because I think they're getting, they're getting the volume. I just don't know. Kittle's always hurt. Waller, I don't know what's going on there. So that's kind of what I, what I went with there. I'm going to go Kelsey Mandrews. Uh, I'm going to say Pitts is resurgent and finishes his tight end three overall. Darren Waller at four. And then I love Goddard as well, but I think it, it's going to be difficult for him with AJ Brown crushing to crack the top five, I'm going Pat Fryermuth as my tight end five overall. I think he's a stud. Uh, I think he's going to prove it this season. Um, we're going to go to the wide receiver spot. This is a difficult one. We'll start with Michael on this one. Give us your top five wide receivers. Yeah, you know, you know this 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 was a tough one, um, mainly because you know we're early in the season and there's been a lot of guys. Like I I don't think I'm changing too much off of this. I think for sure. Uh, Cooper Cup's definitely my number one. I mean, he he's without a doubt he's giving he's giving you like thirty every week. Like I'm like you can almost write it down. You're getting thirty from Cooper Cup, right? Like what happened to Justin Jefferson this week? Not happened in the Cooper Cup. I mean, that's just my opinion on what I've seen. But uh, I think you know Cup and Jefferson are definitely one two. Um, I I think I have Diggs three right now. Uh, I'm still gonna go Chase at four. And then, you know, at five, there's a couple guys there, you know, you know, to me, it's, it, it's really between still between Devante, it's between Devante and Tyreek for me at five. I, I mean, for me, I mean, Justin Jefferson was, I thought going to be the number one receiver this year, maybe the number one overall fantasy player this year. I don't want to bail on that, but Michael makes the point. Like, Cup is 30 points in the bank every week. So, whatever, one, two for those guys. I think Diggs moves into the third spot. Uh, and, like, it's still the top five for me with, like, Chase and Adams, but I really want to get uh, St. Brown in there. Like, this guy is basically putting up wide receiver number six every week. So it's going to be the top five with St. Brown knocking on the door. You know, I, I, I'm not going to change off of the way it, went, it started off. But, I mean, I don't think there's been, a, you know, anybody. St. Brown's, like, basically becoming a Cooper Cup. Uh, Dan? All right. I went Cup number one. Um, I, it, it hurt to do it, but I had put Diggs over uh, Justin Jefferson. So 
I have Diggs second. Uh, you can just ask him. He's him. Uh, you know, and the guy looks back. He's, you know, he looks healthy. And both Cup and Diggs have better quarterback situations, I think, than uh, what Justin Jefferson has. Um, you know, not that I'm down on Cousins, but he can have the occasional bad game. And uh, that definitely hurts uh, Jefferson. Then, then it got really tough after that. Um, I'm, I went ahead and put Amon Ross St. Brown at four and Chase at five. Um, I just, I, I'm a little bit more worried about the Bengals offense and it, it seems like Detroit has things figured out. I'm not that worried about Jamison Williams coming back. And then I've got, uh, the two Miami receivers at six and seven, Tyreek and Waddle. So for me, it's, it's cup, then Jefferson, then Diggs. And I think that all three of them are going to average 25 points per game or more. I think it's going to be a record year. Um, I think all three of them are going to just smash. Um, four for me is still Chase. I think that the, the monster games are coming for Cincinnati. I think they'll turn that around. Um, and then wide receiver five for me, like you guys, was very difficult. I wanted to put Jalen Waddle here. I wanted to put Amon Ross St. Brown here. Uh, but I'm going to go Devontae Adams. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's the focal point. He's done it before. Um, and I think it's going to be easy to predict his, his targets week in, week out. So that's my, uh, my top five there. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, what about my top five? What? Nobody wants to hear oh, my top five. I, I apologize. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead with your wide receivers. I was going to get the league winners. Cup, Diggs at two, Jefferson at three. Chase, one of the top three targeted right now at receiver. And then I go Tyree Kill and A.J. Brown. Again, Tyree Kill at top three in targets. Targets is huge for me um, at the position. So I, I got to have Chase Hill and Cup as the top three targeted uh, receivers in my top five. There you go. I think we're, we're pretty, we're pretty close on that. Like everybody had the top three and then it gets a little different. So uh, that was, that was actually really, really fun with, with these. Um, the last question, uh, since we're getting to, we're at a buck 30, we over, we went over as, as we always did with you guys. Um, last year we saw Cooper cup teams, Mark Andrews teams, Jamar chase teams really crush leagues. Uh, we saw Billy Wazowski win um, with, with, the, with some of those guys. Um, we saw in the FFPC main event, uh, the Go Bills guys, shout out to them. Uh, they, they took down with a couple of those guys. Who are your league winners? You can give me one name. You can give me two names. You can give me three names. Who are the guys that are going to be on the rosters for teams that win at the very end of the season um, in these major tournaments? Start with Matt. Uh, I'll give you three. The definite number one for me, I'm still going with is J.K. Dobbins. I'll go with the Sun God. And Kyle Pitts will eventually get people, you know, you can get there. He's going to win it for you. I mean, you got to get Talking there. into existence, Matt. Talking <laughs> into existence. Dan, Dan, who, who you got? All right. I, I've got uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is definitely the number one. Um, I, I struggled to find anybody who I really – I'm – believing in a lot as being a league winner as in somebody who's coming, you know, like out of the top, you know, not in the top three rounds, basically. Uh, but Jalen Waddle's probably that guy, too. Uh, if anything happens to Tyreek Hill, um, he would be monstrous. And maybe even if nothing happens to Tyreek Hill, he could still be monstrous. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, for my waiver wire uh, pickup of the year, um, so far I'm thinking it's probably Curtis Samuel. Um, that guy's doing it all. So um, I think he could definitely... Uh, be on a lot, a lot of championship rosters. JD? 
Yeah, I mean, now that Dan's kind of set the line at fourth round or later, uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, uh, the Sun God is, is definitely in there. I think Etienne still has a chance, like we talked about, you know, let 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 the uh, cream rise to the top there and, and maybe he still gives you the boost. Pitts is always a guy that we hope and uh, believe that he'll he'll come out of this and uh, take some to the promised land. I'll throw Bateman in there. You know, we, we see Lamar uh, Jackson uh, just crushing on a weekly basis. You, you think Bateman's got to got to follow along the ride and uh, as someone going in the fifth round. You know, around guys like we talked about, Mooney, Mooney Thielen, you know, guys like Metcalf getting passes from uh, Geno Smith. Uh, I, li- I like Bateman's chances as someone that rises out of uh, out of that round. Michael, who are your league winners? Yeah, so, I mean, I think I, you know, some of the ones, I think I, I agree with Dan on Amon Ra and Waddle. I think those, those, those are kind of like right now, at least in like that fourth round range, what we would think another guy kind of a little bit later in, the, in that wide receiver tier that actually is hitting, which probably like he literally was the last guy, at least in my kind of cutoff was Christian Kirk. I think he, uh, I think he's going to be there all year. Um, and two, two guys who maybe haven't hit yet that I think will make an impact. Uh, one is Javante Williams. I think by the end of the year, he's going to be the guy. And, and a San Francisco 49er running back will be involved by the end of the year and will do something, especially with Garoppolo, the quarterback now. How about Jimmy G and Superflex, baby? Oh, yeah. Love it. There you go. There you go, America. NFFC Hall of Famer Michael Edelman is calling Marlon Mack his league winner this year. Damn. Um, for, for, me, it's, uh, for me, it's I'll stick with my QB1 overall. Lamar Jackson teams are going to do quite well. Um, I will say Amon Ross St. Brown and Jalen Waddell, uh, based on where they were drafted and where they're going to finish, which is going to be top, you know, seven wide receivers. Um, and then my sneaky one is A.J. Dillon. I think he's going to keep emerging down the stretch. Big week one, slow week two, but I think he's an absolute beast, and I think they know how to use him when they need him. Uh, so this was, this was just awesome tonight. Um, really appreciate your guys' time. This was really, really fun to do these, this ranking to end it. I had a great time, man. You know, it's always a blast coming on the GOAT District. I, I want to thank you guys. You know, I think you put on a hell of a show. Uh, just, just the guests you have on throughout the year, especially, like, prepping it up and that. Uh, you know, it's a fantastic time. Uh, you know, always great being on with Mike. And, you know, thanks again. Yeah, same here. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me, guys. You know, uh, Theo, it's been a pleasure kind of getting to see you in New York and Vegas the last couple of years. And Dan, and, you know, got to talk to you a little bit out in Vegas, too. Or maybe one day, we'll, you know, we'll get you out there, J.D. Uh, and, uh, we'll get 2023, to- baby. <laughs> I'm crossing the border. Now, guys, you, you, this has been awesome. Uh, apologies for the technical uh, difficulties to our guests and to the listeners. If you're new to the channel, guys, this is just where, where the, the best players on the planet in fantasy football come to hang and, and talk about their goatness, their strategies, their tricks and tips. So hang with us, guys. Hopefully we're helping you win your leagues if you're – if you've been with us, uh, you know, for a while now, we appreciate all the support. You guys have been awesome, man. Like the comments on, on YouTube, keep dropping them. Smash the likes, the subscribe, share the show. We're at, we're at what, 550 subs on uh, on YouTube, Dan. We wanted to get to 500. You guys got us there real quick. So help us get to 1,000 now. We want to double that. Share it with a friend. You know, if, if each of you share it with one person, uh, you're helping us more than you can ever imagine. So we appreciate all your support. Check out our, our partners in the links uh, below, guys. The FFPC, uh, myffpc.com. All of us play there. 
uh, you know, they've got every format. You, you can still draft on there right now, probably. And underdog as well on a weekly basis. You can use the code district, get up to a hundred bucks. Guys, this was a blast. Thursday, Theo, what do we have coming up for uh, tailgate before the game? Uh, Pat Fitzmaurice from Fantasy Pros, um, who is a, is just a, a great listen to and a great a great follow. Uh, he's joining us um, for another tailgate. Uh, we're doing a lot of these tailgates this year. Uh, as you're getting ready for Monday night and Thursday night games, join us in the district. Come hang with us before the game, guys. Thanks for hanging in with us tonight. Good luck in week three, and we'll check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. Fish.